Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you, as always, to the great introduction by Nicole Thompson and the intro music by our guy, Mike. Regina, man, it was a fun, super wild card weekend in the NFL, except for me and Steeler Nation, but we will get to that later on in this episode. As you hear him laughing already, let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. Hope you're doing better than I was uh, over the weekend. Yeah, Corvette, Corvette. I wish you guys could see his face right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the downfall of the Steelers. But uh, like you said, we'll get to that. So I'll let you save all your emotion for that particular subject. Yeah, so we're going to start off with some big-time news, a big-time trade in the NBA. To the to the fans and listeners out there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you back uh, behind the scenes here. We record we – re- we are recording this show – Wednesday evening in this trade came down late Wednesday afternoon, early Wednesday evening. So um, we're bringing it to you. James Harden, now formerly of the Houston Rockets, traded to the Brooklyn Nets where he will be reunited with Kevin Durant along with Kyrie Irving and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets. So in return here, Houston gets three of Brooklyn's unprotected first-round draft picks, 2022, 2024, and 2026. In addition, they're going to end up getting Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers, as well as, and follow me here, JT, pick swaps of the, of the Brooklyn Nets in 2021. 2023, 2025, and 2027. Now, this was a 14 deal. So, Indiana's going to end up getting Karis LeVert, formerly of the Nets. And then you've got the Cleveland Cavaliers in the deal as well as the Cavs are sending the Rockets Dante Exum. Um, and in return, the Cavs will get center Jarrett Allen in forward. Terion Prince, formerly of the Nets. So, JT, have I confused you yet? No, because I think I pretty much got where everyone's going. All right. So, the question here, I, I guess we could ask a ton of questions, but I'm just going to kind of spitball it here. First question I want to know from you is, do you like this move? Let, let's start with the Nets. Do you like this move by the Nets? Well, it's kind of hard to say no just because, I mean, say what you want about James Harden. Yeah, he's out of shape right now. 
clearly got a little attitude issue, but it's still James Harden. I mean, dude's a baller. So um, you put him, KD, Kyrie on the same team. I mean, you got to say you like that move. I like it for this year for sure. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I I don't like how they had to give up Levert and Jared Allen because those are good young pieces. And let's keep it real. I mean, Kyrie, we're going to talk about him in a minute. He's a wild card. You just never know what's going on with him. He might not play this week. He might not play next year. They might decide, you know what, he's not worth it. He just might say, I'm not going to play basketball ever again. So you can't count on him for the future. James Harden, what happens? He gets to the Brooklyn. It doesn't go as planned. He doesn't win the championship like he like he's looking for. How does his attitude change? And then it's, there's KD, you know. It's not like he hasn't left teams before when, you know, he's done with them. So giving those young guys up that actually want to be there to fix the short-term solution, that's the only part of the deal for Brooklyn I didn't like. Well, it – that's that's a huge part of the deal, though, JT. So I think I, it's tough to like it because I, I honestly believe, and they've done this before, JT, and it burned them for like 10 years. They mortgaged the future for now. Remember, they did that with older guys, with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. But again, that burned them for 10 years. Here, or almost 10 years, here, I think they realized – Kyrie is a wild card. Oh, and, for sure. And, but they, they do that before they got but, there. But I truly believe, you know the way everyone is, they think, oh, once he gets here, we'll be able to control the situation. Yes. He's got KD, control. right? We, we got him everything he wants. We got KD for him. No. Like, I think they realize, JT, he's a wild card. We cannot beat the Lakers or maybe even – a team or two in the East with just KD in this, in this supporting role, because we can't rely on Kyrie being there for the playoffs. So I think that's why they made this move. And they felt that the asking price maybe would only go up. I I don't know how it could go any higher, but I don't like the move because they mortgaged way too much. You, you were bought in on Kyrie KD. You got to tell them you got to win. You get no more help. You have enough guys between uh, Lavert, between Prince, between Jared Allen, between Joe, Joe Harris. Harris. <laughs> yeah, like yes, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie did get hurt, but like, but they got talent. That team they, is deep. They do. Why do you need Harden to mortgage the future? Now? Because well, JT, they uh, well, already I'm, mortgaged the future in a way well, by bringing in these two guys. Now they just gave it away over the next eight years. I will say this: I'm going to put five percent of the blame on us, you and me. And people like us because this is what happens when you validate people's legacy by how many championships they have. I've never done that. I don't I don't do that. I, I don't believe just because Jordan won six and LeBron has lost, that doesn't mean Jordan's better. Dan Marino's never won a Super Bowl. Does that mean someone who won two, like Eli Manning, is better than Marino? Come on. I think I think football is different just because there's so many factors that go into winning with basketball. I think it's a little bit different because there's, there's less players involved and it all has to do with how people treat Charles Barkley. Just look literally every time Charles Barkley gets into an argument with somebody, if they have a ring, he literally can't come back and say anything. Robert Ory could walk in there and slap Charles Barkley right now with all his rings and be like, you know what? Yeah. You might've been a better player than me, but you still don't have one of these. And I think, but that's my whole point. It's about, being the better player yeah if we're doing exactly. just a one-on-one comparison 
But I mean, let's. If you're talking not... about legacy, okay, you're right. They are going to judge you a little bit by by whether you have a championship or not. Yeah, but let's not act like that's not a factor for for Harden. Yeah, but what's that got to do with the Nets? I mean, they want to win too. <laughs> okay, and you've got KD, Kyrie. That should have been enough. Well, in my well, we opinion, we got KD and half of Kyrie. The other half's on Zoom meetings for Congress. But yeah, he, he's kind of there, but he's not, like you said, he's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to expect. And so there you go. You've now mortgaged part of your future on Kyrie and KD to now all of it over the next eight years. Well, you know what's funny about what you just said? They mortgaged their future on a guy with one Achilles, a guy, like you said, is a wild card in Kyrie who they don't know, they don't know if he's going to be there, and a dude who they don't know if he's going to show up in shape or he's just going to go to the strip club. Like, these like these are the three guys I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in the basket on because you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like you're hoping the, the three of them make it to the finals if they can. Well, I think KD has shown when he is out there, he's still the same. He's okay. he's yeah, the he, he's the same. Not not only that, health wise, he looks he looks good. Mm-hmm. So let's look to the Houston Rockets side of it now. Do you like this deal and giving up basically? Maybe Nothing. your greatest franchise player ever, beside maybe Elijah Wan. Be there. Yeah, but do, but do you like this this move? Let's put it this way: Did they get enough in return? Hell, no matter how you ask the question, do I love it? Do I like it? Did they get it right? No matter how you ask the question, hell yes, I like this deal for Houston because a couple things that happened: one, they got rid of a guy who didn't want to be there, and the main guy who did not want to be there. And you saw guys came out last night. John Wall was like, bro, we've played less than 10 games. Like, like people are trying. Like, how are you just automatically checked out? Like, give us time to, you know, have cohesion and turn turn it around. Give us time to work together. And you forget, they started out the season with, like, a COVID violation. So they really have not gotten much time to play together. And you know when Boogie Cousins comes out and basically says, look, man, James Harden, shut up. I think that's the real reason they pulled the trigger because I think Boogie was about, you know, one or two practices away from going at it with Harden. And, you know, you don't know how that goes. Boogie and Harden get into it, and all of a sudden Harden gets hurt, and then you can't trade him at all. So I think the team was tired of him. But I just look at how their team looks post the Harden trade. I really like how they flipped um, basically Levert for Depot. I like that. If you look at the roster now, I know it's the West, but they got three or four guys on that team that are really good two-way players. You look at, of course, John Wall. You look at Oladipo. And you look at guys like uh, like Roko, Robert Covington, and then I'll even throw Christian Wood in there. Like that, of is course you good, would. That's your guy. Uh, I mean, is he, has he not lived up to the hype? I would never admit it. Yeah, you just did. But you got those guys, and then you throw in like the supporting cast: um, uh, Gordon, PJ Tucker. Uh, you got guys like uh, House, Macklemore coming off the bench that can shoot. Like I like the team because, yeah, they're not. They don't have the flair like Harden brings, but it becomes a deeper team that they can do a lot of things. Like, they don't have to play small ball anymore all the time, but they can if they have to. They got shooters. It just seems like a really just a really just smooth fit now that Harden's not there. But I don't know if it's necessarily going to bring the flair that it had when he was there. Well, listen, they're not – title contenders out of the West Well, they weren't any title longer. contenders with Harden. So that's so – I mean, that's really what you're basing this against. Right. But but you're you're kind of hyping up the fans like, hey, you know, they're going to make a run here in the next hey, year some, or two. Sometime, that, sometimes that's not going to happen. That's addition and subtraction. I, I agree. 
I'm, they're going to be better than what their record is right now for sure, but they're not going to be contenders over the next year or two. But you got to love it. They got probably as much as they could. I think even if they would have got Ben Simmons in a first-round pick, that's not as much as this, unless they would have got like Ben Simmons in two or three first-round picks. Well, they wanted – I heard that they wanted Ben Simmons and the rookie Maxi, who I said was the best, best dra- uh, grab in the draft. But they wanted those two, and I'm assuming Philly has seen what Maxi can do the past few games. They're like, nah, we can't give him up. Yeah, and listen, they were giving up Simmons too. So, um, but what the Rockets got, I, I don't know how much more they could have gotten. So you got to love it for them in terms of how much they got, as well as the max that they could get. And this is what I love most about the deal, JT, those pick swaps, because when those are occurring in the mid-2020s, uh, I don't think KD and Kyrie are going to be there any longer, and neither is Harden. So not only are you getting unprotected picks at some point in the mid-2000s to late – or mid-2020s to late-2020s, those pick All swaps – All the way up to 2027. <laughs> do you know what those pick swap means? What, what those mean is if – the Rockets have a good year and they're picking number 20. The Nets have a bad year picking number six. Guess what, JT? I get your number pick six or your number six pick and you get my number 20. So, I mean, the Nets, in all honesty here, could end up with like six top 10 picks throughout the 2020s, up to eight because they're getting four unprotected and I think four more swaps. That's how the swaps work. You swap if it's a better deal. So way too much the Nets gave up. Rockets, great job. So I want to ask another question. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna swing it to Kyrie Irving here. All right. So Kyrie on the Nets, since we're talking about the Nets, he missed his fourth straight game with the Nets Tuesday night and will miss more now that videos have surfaced uh, earlier this week showing a maskless Kyrie Irving at a family birthday party. It seems, while not confirmed, uh, that it was a social gathering of more than 15 people, which violates an NBA COVID-19 guideline forbidding players from attending such gatherings. JT, should he be suspended? This is tough because I know we talked about this offline. There's some NBA players that feel like the NBA is going too far with how they're going about these, you know, restrictions and guidelines, what the players can do, who they can talk to during the season while, you know, while COVID's going on. So that's another question. But I'm going to say the like a league suspension I don't know. I guess if he's violating their rules and I guess they got to do whatever is, you know, in the mandate for them to suspend him for. But I will say this, the team should definitely suspend him because before this even came out, I remember last week that he just stopped missing games. And the report was, they're like, where's Kyrie? Is he playing? Steve Nash basically had to say, look, I don't know where he is. I texted him. Here's the text. He has not responded. And this dragged on for like a few days. So, this man is out there not responding to his head coach, by the way, who everybody swore like, yeah, Kyrie will listen to Steve Nash because he's a player. They understand each other. He got cachet. Nah, sorry. Kyrie's a weird dude. He did. He's doing the same thing to you that he would do to any other coach or LeBron does not matter. 
So the fact that he didn't respond to the coach, yeah, I think the team should suspend them because you got to send the message. You need – if your whole goal is to go all in and win now, you just grabbed Harden. You just went over the extensive future. They just mortgaged to, to be all in this year, next year. And one of your key pieces don't even return communication with the coach. Got to send the message. Got to suspend them. Well, there's definitely an investigation going on, so we'll, we'll find out a little bit more. But obviously it seems like he broke protocol. Now the thing is, though, JT, when James Harden did it, he got a $50,000 fine and had to mm-hmm. quarantine for four days. I don't believe there was a suspension. So you're right. League can't really touch him. Well, I shouldn't say can't touch him, but precedent is it's not a suspension. But you're right. Could there be a team suspension? Sure. And maybe maybe both the league and the team need to suspend him in terms of one of the two in order to send a message. Like, you cannot be out without masks in huge gatherings while there's a pandemic going on and you like, can't put it on on your on camera i don't understand why these guys keep doing that i feel like ever since d'angelo russell came into the league and he did this like everybody's being stupid stop putting this stuff on camera i i don't think it was his account or anything it was someone else that was there but that's the Bro, risk you take if me if if i was Kyrie and you was and you was my family member and i'm like they're like hey you know Kyrie, let's come over to your house and kick it you know what i mean we're gonna have a family gathering Everybody got to drop their phones up. I don't understand that. They're not thinking that far ahead. That's the problem. (laughs) All right. So last question, and then we're going to head into some football. And this is a big one. Now that the Nets got James Harden, we know the situation with Kyrie. Both both you and I believe he's a wild card. Who knows if he's going to be there for the playoffs. What does all of this mean for the Nets title hopes? I mean, I got to say it increases. I mean, if they're all – like, forget if they're mentally right, but let's just say they're all on the court and healthy. I mean, it's still James Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So, I mean, at least they should roll through the East. Uh, I think it raises their title hopes a little bit. I Because I think I picked the Heat to be up there to go back. So, I think this definitely puts them above the Heat short term. But I don't know how much better I feel because, I mean – these this duo this trio together is crazy so i have no idea what to expect they're not even listening to the coach he a former player so i'm tentatively saying it's going to increase but i don't think by much well it's got to increase i didn't see what the vegas odds says but or what vegas said on it but i know i didn't do my job this time it happened so quick um title hopes got to go up but I believe this is going to blow up in their face. I know you were big on the Nets title hopes at the beginning of the year, but we're all that me or is that Rob? Okay. It was Rob. So shout out to Rob. <laughs> he definitely called them. He definitely I don't remember. Katie to you, be MVP too. You, so you weren't bold enough to make any prediction. Cause I said Milwaukee out of the East. I don't I know. I thought I said the heat, the heat. Okay. So, but listen, everyone's thinking Nets title hopes, but I think with Kyrie too much drama, Like, I I do believe this blows up in their face because also what I said earlier, you lose Jared Allen, big man in the middle, you lose Karis LeVert. And I think that, yes, you lose some of that depth, but you get it back with James Harden. But when it comes to the finals, if Kyrie's not balling, if he's not there, I don't know how they beat the Lakers because they're not going to have a big guy in the middle. 
Well, they but again, DeAndre Jordan, but I mean, he he just basically was losing all his minutes to Jared Allen. Right. But again, is are Harden and KD going to get so frustrated with Kyrie that it spills over to the other teammates? Yeah. What about time to get chemistry? Because KD and Kyrie are really just on the court for the first time together, first 10, 12 games, and then now you throw Harden into it. I mean, those are three ball dominant players, or at least two and a half. It, that's exactly what I was going to say, and then, we, and then we can move on. Who, Who's going to control the ball? All three that, guys. Who's, who's the end of the game shot taker? Well, that's one, but I'm just thinking during the game, who's bringing the ball up the court and facilitating the offense? Because all three want to do it and have done it. Yeah, we'll say this and then we'll move on. Also, the thing I worry about is this. I'm going to just put my name on it. I agree with you. I think this is going to be a disaster, and I'll tell you why. You're dealing with three guys that it's proven they have not been able to make it work with any other superstar every other place they've been. Harden had CP3 and Russ. Couldn't wait to get rid of him. Couldn't wait to get out. KD, we already know his reputation. And then Kyrie couldn't make it work with LeBron when they were winning a championship, and he couldn't make it work in Boston with those other guys. Every team that those guys have left are glad they're gone, and now all three of them are together. Good luck, Brooklyn. All right, can we move on? Because I'm, I'm tired of talking about Kyrie. He please, please. That was your idea. Yeah, whatever. All right, so let's move on to uh, the college football uh, championship game or the semblance of some game they tried to show us. Basically, Alabama ran away with the championship game against Ohio State by a score of 52 to 24. It felt much worse than that. Uh, it was their 18th national title in program history and their sixth in the past 12 years. So, Don, you know I'm coming straight to Nick Saban. Where does he rank among all-time great coaches in any sport? Well, he's not the greatest. He's not number one. Not putting him there. And this All right, is, cool. So we, we both agree on that. This is the main reason why. His NFL record as a head coach. Oh, for I don't, sure. I don't care that it was with the Dolphins. 15 and 17. You cannot. When Bill Belichick's in that same league in the NFL, and he's got mm-hmm. six Super Bowls, and you learn from Bill Belichick, you cannot be greater than him. You cannot well, I feel be like better because, than him. Because it's not in the pros either, and there's there's pro equivalents that have done equal to or better than him. I don't think you can put him above those guys. Well, listen, you've got six in 12 years, seven overall, JT. That is really good. This is my oh, list. I'm, I'm going to give you my list, okay? Um, and this is why Belichick, I think, is better than Saban, too. I think Saban couldn't do it in the NFL, didn't prove it. I think Belichick would succeed in college. Belichick would have more success in college than Saban did in the NFL. But this is my list. Number one, I think you got to go Belichick. Two, John Wooden. Three, Scotty Bowman, the the hockey coach. He won nine Stanley Cups with a total of three different teams. And then I got Nick Saban right now at like number four yeah i got the same list i got uh i got him behind belichick wooden and um and phil jackson just because i feel like wooden was so dominant in college but i mean like you just said belichick what he's doing it in the nfl and then phil jackson say what you want he might have had great players but to win with those guys like what we know about kobe Shaq, and jordan like after their careers like for you to keep those guys in line and win and have them buy into you year after year, I mean that alone is a is a big accomplishment. So, yeah, definitely he can't be in the top three or four for me. All right, so 
let's talk about something. We were texting about this during the game, and I couldn't believe that Bama did this, but Saban is taking a lot of heat, uh, particularly among the current NFL players for playing uh, wide receiver Jalen Waddle as long as they did in the title game when it was well in hand by the end of the third quarter. Uh, keep in mind, Waddle broke his ankle earlier this season against Tennessee. So, Don, was Alabama wrong for playing him in the title game? Well, if the doctors cleared him, JT, then I would defer initially to the doctors, right? That's now, always such a loaded comment, though. <laughs> but, but how is that a loaded comment? If they've cleared him and there's a certain threshold, all right, and this is the other factor. Waddle really wanted to play so bad in this game because it's his last game in Alabama. He wants to go out on top as a champ with his guys. Now, this is the thing. We've seen guys play hurt before, but there's a difference between playing hurt and being or playing injured. And I think by the fourth quarter, you've got a four touchdown lead. In the fourth quarter now, he's playing what looks like to be injured. For what? He's up four touchdowns, meaning Alabama and Waddle. Now he can come out, all right? And if he doesn't want to, that's where the coach has to be a coach and has to basically say, no, you're no longer playing. You're injured, not hurt. You're injured. Get ready for the combine. We're up four touchdowns. You're a champ. It's the fourth quarter. Game over. But initially, listen, he, he's got to give it a go if the doctors clear him. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. They they were wrong because they never needed to play him to win this game in the first place. JT, let, let me tell you this. Rod Woodson in the 1995 season tore his ACL first game. For, hold on. It. Hold on. It. Let me explain it. First game of the year. And this was pre all this, you know, the medical um, intervention we have now with medicine and different surgeries, right? He came back for the Super Bowl because he didn't know if he'd ever get there again. And listen, was he 100%? No. Now, could he have done more damage? Probably not at that point. But he wasn't 100%. But he still played. That is playing kind of hurt, not injured. And I think Waddle initially was playing just hurt, right? There's going to be pain. But I think by the fourth quarter, it was like, Ugh, he might be injured again. Let, let's hold off. Like, I let's mean, take clearly, him out. Clearly it was because you can see he could barely walk off to the sideline. But, yeah, I mean – Darius Leonard tweeted it best. Alabama, what are you doing? We know these guys want to play. You brought up a great uh, comparison with Woodson. But sometimes you got to save these guys from themselves, especially these kids. Saban, you know. We, we were joking about this during a national championship game. They were just throwing out guys who were like, okay, which one of these young guys is going to beat the Hurricanes next year? That's how loaded they are at the skill position. Who's four? Who's three? Who's one? Who's that 18? Like, they had guys. They never needed them. Devonta Smith had already carved the Buckeyes up way before halftime. You know this kid, it, even with his ankle injury this year, he's still going in the first round. He doesn't need to play in his game. Do right by him. He's balled out for you during his career. Save him from yourself. Because Alabama and Nick Saban know better than anybody how the NFL operates. You hurt, you hurt. It, it, the game is the game. Like, like nobody's going to draft him because, oh, you know, he was a good player, but, you know, now he has two ankle fractures in, in the span of a, a college football season. It's going to take his draft stock. They should have never played him. Protect him from himself. But it's not about protecting him from himself because, again, if the doctors cleared him medically and he wants to go and it's not protecting himself. Fourth quarter, yes. 
I get it at that point. Game's out of hand. They, they never, you they, know they never they, needed him in that game. Exactly. This is my point. They didn't need him to win. They played him for him, right? This is the last chance. You're telling me as a competitor, you wouldn't have want to be out there? Not because Hell you're no. worried about the NFL. Hell nah. yes. When you're in you, the middle you, of you, it. You talking, you, you asking me a question when you're acting like every year dudes don't opt out of bowl games to go. But JT, go you know why? Because it, it's a bowl game. This is the national championship. There's a reason why he came back. Bama if didn't we, force if this we, guy. If, if Ohio State was, if it was a competitive game or Ohio State was, we were down, maybe. And I'd still be hesitant, but that game was in hand from the beginning. From the beginning, from the opening snap, that game was in hand. It's not about that. They didn't rush him back because they needed him. He wanted to come back. You're not understanding that difference. You think Saban went to Waddle and said, we need you, kid, to play in this title game. No, it was the other way around. You you assuming that's not what he said. It was the other way around. Obviously, it was because even when they wanted to take him off the field in the second half, he stayed on. He could have easily come off coach. I can't go. Look, man, we ain't going to be arguing about this. You say he should – they they shouldn't be held accountable for him playing. I, I say, Bama, what are you doing? What you you missed you my whole point. Future. You missed my whole point. Doctors cleared him to start the game. He starts if he wants to. Third, fourth quarter, when you see he is injured, not hurt any longer. You injured, saw he was. You, you take saw him he was off. injured the first time he touched the ball in the first quarter. You could see he wasn't right. Exactly. We Thank we you. We don't know that. We don't you know saw that. It. You saw it because that's exactly what everyone okay. else saw. So from now every on, NF- and every NFL player saw that, and that's why they tweeted that out. Literally, the first time he touched the ball, they're like, "What are you doing? The so, kid's not 100%. Take so, him out the game." So from now on, anyone that shows any sign of pain, you cannot play. According to JT, Aaron Donald, you're not allowed to play in the in the playoff game this weekend because you, you have an injury that you really, twist, really hurts. Not man. injured, not injured, but hurt. I'm agreeing with you, JT, that they should not have had him. Did you return from your knee injury to finish the season? Hold on. They should not have played Waddle in the second half. At that point, I think they were risking injury. Early on, first play, you see if he can give it a go, if he wants to play. I don't think they forced him to play. Second half, I agree. You got to know when to pull the guy. And that's where they messed up. That's but JT, that is when those tweets started to come out. It was the fourth quarter. No, was the, it the tweet, first the quarter. Tweets were early. Tweets were early. All right. So, I, are I you, do you want to talk about your guy, the receiver that that actually did play, but he didn't finish the game? The one that about? I predicted to win the Heisman. Absolutely. Yeah. So he put it. He put in the notes, y'all, because we have to say this because he predicted this. So Heisman winner Devonta Smith ended up with twelve receptions, two hundred and fifteen yards, three tubs on the night actually he did all of that in the first half before a finger injury which i called and you laughed at me about (laughs) the finger injury caused him to miss nearly the entire second half so don i feel like we talked about this before but we're going back bottom line is smith a top three pick with his performance in this game i didn't laugh i just you always say injury so i just didn't believe you okay i didn't laugh at the injury i just didn't believe you anyway I thought this guy was a top three pick before the first half of the title game. So, of course, he's a top three pick. Listen, that was Ohio State. It was not Vanderbilt, all right? And, I mean, I'm not worried about his size. I know you are. He has the height, the speed, and the elusiveness, all right? Now, I would monitor the degree of the finger injury, but I'd imagine that's going to be okay. 
So in my opinion, I'm not sure the way he was like walking around yeah, the stadium for that's two why hours. I, said, I agree. That's why you got to You got to monitor it. But in my opinion, healthy, he's a top three pick for sure. Man, this dude just eight miles me. He said everything I was going to say before I said it. Good move. <laughs> uh, I still say no. And to be honest with you, he almost pushed me over the edge as far as like with his performance of damn dude's a top three pick. You got to take him. But same thing I was telling you when we were watching the game, I was texting you. I was like, he just looks so small. And I get it. You and some other guys, I really respect their sports opinion. I'll say the same thing. You can't, you can't hit what you can't catch. Yes, you say that in the college football game. but Barry Sanders. There's a lot of guys that we said that about, oh, you can't catch him, you can't hit him, and they go straight into the NFL and they get hit hard. And – he just looks really small. Are those I mean, guys former Heisman winners like Barry Sanders and but Barry Devontae Smith? Though. You can say what you want about Barry. There's a difference between being short and being small. Like this kid is small. Like I'm like like I feel like he he's, he's not at least 15 pounds under. Like it, he just looks like he looks really frail. And here's the thing. Bottom line, he's amazing, but. Top three, if I'm taking you at that spot, that means basically you have to change my my team for the next decade. If you're not doing that, then it's not worth it. And then here's the other thing. I know we disagree on this. You think his size is okay. I'm more worried about it for like his long-term career. You think about this. You take this kid at number three, you're basically guaranteeing that you're, you're up for almost paying them $150 million during his career because – that draft spot is expensive, and then you're going to have to extend this kid. Are you willing to put that much money into a guy who couldn't play the second half because something happened to his finger? You got him for five years. And injuries, he hasn't shown any major injuries before this. And injuries, injuries can happen to anybody. Look at Joe Burrow. Yeah. I just – oh, man. It, it, this has nothing to do with the Dolphins picking at number three. I'm just – if I'm picking a receiver at number three, I just need to – the talent has to be there, yes, but I have to be confident they can stand up to the rigors of the NFL game. And you're right. That's something you don't necessarily know until they get into the game. But, I mean, I'd feel a lot better if he was built like A.J. Brown rather than like Marvin Harrison. Well, Marvin Harrison, I don't know if you know this. I think Hall he's, of in, the hall. I think yes. he's in the Hall but of he Fame. But he went number AJ 19, Brown? so the risk was low. AJ, he went number 19, the risk AJ, was low. Well, looking back at it, you probably would have taken him top three. A.J. Brown, sorry to say, man, he hasn't been to a Super Bowl, hasn't won one, and actually just lost in the playoffs. And the other thing with Devontae Smith, (laughs) the other thing with Devontae Smith, he's a game changer because he can return punts too. Yeah, I do like that. I I know you've been bringing that up. That also scares me too. It's like, damn, he's such a good punt returner. Do you really want to throw him out there and, you know, add that? That he'll learn to, to his NFL listen, career. Listen, he'll learn to call fair catches All right, when he guys, needs to. I, I hope he learns in time to where he's not missing time. So let's wrap up the game. Uh, so Alabama ended the season not only as the national champs, but 13-0 uh, during a COVID year and with the Heisman winner and with a four-touchdown victory over Ohio State. So this leads us to the question that Mac Jones answered with a yes. Is this Alabama team the best college football team ever? JT, if your answer is not like mine, I'm ending. Oh, I know show. Where you're going with. I'm this, ending so. the show you, right you now. Want, you want to do the honors, or you want I, me to do it? I'm gonna do it. It's the right, 2001. Let them know. 
It's the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Hold Next, on, time out, time out, time question. out. It, it, it ain't even close. Say that again. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Next Who question. Who was on that team? <laughs> you, Too many to name. Do we got time? Do we got time we, for all the names? We got time. I'm going to just, just, just give them a preview. This are some of the guys that were on that 2001 team. Sean Taylor. Backup. He was a backup. Vince Wilford. Frank Gore. Clinton Portis, Bryant McKinney, Jeremy Shockey, Andre Johnson. Oh, and we forgot we saved the best for last, Ed Reed. So I didn't see any of those guys on Bama at that level. So, yeah, in the discussion. Definitely not on defense this time. Maybe Sertain, but maybe Dylan Moses, but ain't no Ed Reed and Bro, we're we not comparing Dylan Moses to Ed Reed, so, so we move it on. Can we talk about one thing with Bama that pissed me off, and um, I forgot to bring this up, but you mind answering this for me? So reports are that Alabama is looking to hire Bill O'Brien as its next offensive coordinator. So he's going to replace Steve Sarkeesian because uh, I think he's leaving to become the head coach at Texas. So also Adam Gase, his name was being thrown around as a, also a possible candidate along with O'Brien to be the OC at Bama. What do you think of Alabama looking at these two former NFL head coaches? Well, it is capacity, much less OC. Well, I know what your answer is going to be, and I kind of differ from you a little bit. Now, I wouldn't I touch that. My answer is going to be. I, I do because you've already said it, you're laughing, and you've told me before. I wouldn't touch Adam Gase. Um, so to me, that's a head scratcher. But what is the connection to Saban, JT? Do you know between well, it's him Bill and Gase? Belichick. No, it is not. Adam Gase was a GA graduate assistant under Saban at LSU. So he's actually uh -huh. worked under Saban before. Now, I see why he would consider Bill O'Brien. The connection there is Bill Belichick. Bill, Bill and, Belichick. And, and he coached at Penn State, too, so he has the experience. Right. And he's a, he has been more of an offensive coordinator. Um, I believe he was with the Patriots, right, before he took the Penn State job. And – Listen, sports is no different than other jobs, JT. It's about connections and who you know. And that's exactly what's going on here. So you may not like those candidates, but the only opinion that matters as far as how they're perceived is from the person hiring them, which in this case is Nick Saban. So he's done, he's brought in Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and it worked out. They actually transformed that offense into like a record-setting offense, JT. And so you may not like those moves, but I'm pretty sure you didn't kind of like the Lane Kiffin, especially the Sarkeesian move. Oh, I those, like the Lane Kiffin those, move. I think those, he's legit. But those worked out as offensive coordinators. I'm not saying head coach here. I'm saying as offensive coordinators, Saban feels like they can do the job, and they probably will, to be honest, with that talent. Um, I... <laughs> It's funny you tried to kind of say what I was going to say, but Bill O'Brien, when I, like the more I looked at it, the more I really wasn't as upset about it because I think the problems with Bill O'Brien in the NFL didn't have as much to do with the play calling as much as it did with like his relationship with the players. Because you look at what he did. I mean, how many times were the Texans competitive with like no quarterback before they got Deshaun Watson? Like they like it was just basically Luke Hawkins there. Like he had Brian Hoyer, he had Brock Osweiler. Like they still could win games. And then of course Deshaun came and they took it to another level. And like the Texans offense was always, you know, 
they were decent. They were formidable. So I don't doubt that he can't call the plays. I mean, he was good at Penn State too. It's just, it was, you know, the players just didn't like him because he was, you know, he had too much power. So I don't know if I, I'm not going to worry about that with him at Saban because it's Saban's show. So I feel conf, I feel more confident in that than I did with him hiring Adam Gates. Here's the only issue I have with how this looks. I would have had a bigger issue if it was Adam Gase, but Bill O'Brien, I'll let it slide. I don't want Alabama to start becoming the reclamation project program where if you suck at any other level, especially the NFL level, you get to go to Alabama and rehab your image and fool people to think, oh, he's turned around his his coaching and become a better X and O's guy. No, what they've done is they've gone to Alabama, they have far and away the best talent in the country and no all jokes aside me and you could probably go and split oc duties at alabama and still they can go to the national championship and that's what i'm worried about what ha- what what's could happen because imagine if adam gates would have got this job guess what bama's still gonna be in the national championship or at least the college football playoff next year ah and what's gonna happen oh adam gates is back he's a revolutionary mind just like you said he went to bama and, you know, the offense was open up. It was historic. Fuck, yes. Look at all the guys that are going in the draft. Of course it's historic. They've had, they have a boatload of talent. And I don't want this to be a way for more talented guys that are actually doing it in the NFL to lose jobs to someone like an Adam Gase that went to Bama for one or two years, rehabbed his image, and now all of a sudden he's back at the top of the coaching list in the NFL again and getting ahead of some other guys. All right, one, we could never coexist as co-offensive coordinators. Bro, so we can't to me all we the can't, time. We you can't, we can't the even like, get hey, along. JT, what good plays can you we, come up with? We can't even get along on the show. Meanwhile, I gave you the plays. I don't know what you're talking about. But we can't even get along on the show. The now, only play two, we ever agreed on was the O.J. Howard play from the National Championship. Now, two, all right. So you're saying these guys shouldn't get a chance at Alabama I'm because, not saying because they shouldn't be a project? No, what does no, that mean? No, I'm not saying that. But here's the thing. Saint, look at Steve Sarkeesian. He obviously, for personal reasons, it didn't work out for him in college, right? What did he do? He went to Atlanta. He was terrible, got fired. Like, how was that a, how is that a natural progression to go from you blew it in college, weren't good, at the NFL level, but now you get to come to the best offensive coordinator job in the pros. And guess what? Now that got him a job at Texas. Because maybe they're better for college and not NFL in terms of being offensive coordinators. Well, Adam Gates Plus, ain't good nowhere. Th- but. <laughs> this is the last thing, and we're going to move on. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think or the rest of the media thinks. The only thing that matters is what Nick Saban thinks. And you know what he thinks? those guys can get the job done and get them back to a national title. I think he likes Bill O'Brien because I think Bill O'Brien will carry around like like the authoritarian authoritative views that like Saban has on the players like look you don't mess around with Knicks here and then you damn sure not gonna mess around with Bill O'Brien's here because he'll get in your face. So we're talking Bill O'Brien former coach of the Texans let's talk about the Houston Texans JT. what no go ahead (laughs) reports are that deshaun watson wants out of houston due to not uh in due to the team not involving him in staff hiring after the texans said they would involve him as well as his displeasure over the texans stance on social justice issues last year now reports are that the texans will interview eric Bieniemy after him 
meaning Eric Bieniemy not originally being on their initial list. There are rumors on your list. <laughs> there are rumors, JT, that the Texans would be willing to move Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins for Tua and other assets, presumably uh, draft picks. Should the Dolphins make the move for him if it would cost them Tua the number three pick and maybe some further assets? Hell yes. Like today, make the damn move. We joked about this uh, off off air, and I uh, shout out to Bad Medicine, uh, Medicine Podcast because I know this is not what you want to hear because you guys want them to go to the Bears. I told you when they announced that Deshaun Watson was having issues with the Texas organization. Whoever wants him need to be calling this man every day, and I'll be calling him every day to see what the deal is. It's a no-brainer. Watson is a proven generational talent at quarterback. And you think about it this way. Teams give up more to move up and get unproven quarterbacks in the draft than what they're saying that we should give up to get Watson now. And plus, if you look at it, you're the numbers guy. He's already under contract, and his deal, especially the annual average dollars, is going to be friendly going forward as the cap in the quarterback market rises. Now, at some point, I'm pretty sure he's going to want to redo his extension, but for right now, it's good. <laughs> you, The Dolphins have to make this move. I don't understand what's taking them so long. So if they make the move, JT, originally for Tunzel, the Dolphins got two, end up getting two first-round picks, which they took Austin Jackson in 2020, and now they have the number three pick where they sit for 2021. And then they got a second round pick, which I believe was in 2020. If they make this deal, this is essentially, this is what I like doing. It's not the right way to do it, but this is the way I like doing it, is going back and connecting all the pieces. So this is what the trade would end up being in totality. The Dolphins trade Laramie Tunzel, Tua, Kenny Stills, and a fourth round 2020 pick for Deshaun Watson and Austin Jackson. That's essentially what the deal would end up being if they give the number three pick back to the Texans. I like that because we got the best quarterback in return. So the question then is, losing Tunzel, is there people to protect Deshaun Watson? Yeah, so, I think the offensive line is good. But, it's young and it's under contract too. Listen, I think if the, if that deal presents itself, if you're if you're the Dolphins, you got to take it. I think you got to make the move now. If the especially had that same move on the table, y'all would make that, and y'all got Ben. Especially if you don't believe in Tua, you got to make the move. But this is the only thing I would hesitate with. If you think maybe there's a chance that Tua, you know what? He's the he's the legit. He's the legit thing. He's the real deal, and you can win with him. Then you keep that number three pick because what did you tell me when they traded Tunzel? Ah, let's let's stockpile those draft picks, right? And we'll get someone better than Tunzel. Well, at this point, yeah, pretty much, (laughs) at least in my mind. All right. So if that's the thinking, hey, why are you giving up the number three pick now? This is the whole reason why you traded Tunzel. So now it's like, listen, the Dolphins have, have, pretty much made their bed now they gotta sleep in it and for the record i didn't think they should have traded tunzel because guess what now they would still have tua to trade and their later first round pick and probably still get the shot and now they got tunzel to protect them just saying uh, all right so what is the middle? Oh, you thought I was going to argue with you? I, I thought I'm you so were. Tired. I was waiting. No, no, I'm so tired of talking to. He thinks talking I'm to right. You about Tunzel. Oh. He knows I'm right. 
All right, what is the minimum the Texans should now? We should with? trade back for Mika Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> We're not giving them back. What is the minimum the Texans should get in return if they are to trade Deshaun Watson at all? If I were the Texans, yeah, he, he's not going anywhere for less than two first round picks and uh, two second round picks and a player to be named. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Two first round picks. I think one of those two has to be a top 10. So you got to trade with the I'll right you, team. I'll, you tell me if I'm crazy. The draft picks, they're staying two first, two second. I don't even want two. Give me Fitz. If yeah. he was under contract, I would rather have Fitz than Tua. Well, Obviously, he's a free I'm agent. I'm not saying with the Dolphins. I'm just saying in general, what, what is the minimum yeah. they should get back? And I agree. No matter who the team is, I got to have your two first-round picks. Hopefully, it's a team that's in the top 10. And then got to get at least a second. I, I like what you said, two, two second-round picks. And uh, I, I'd be good with that. I think it that's costs, the minimum. It costs more than that to get Jared Goff in the draft. Like that's. <laughs> and remember, back in the day for Carson Palmer, I think, Oakland gave up – they were the Oakland Raiders, I believe, at the time. I think they gave up two first-round picks for uh, an older Carson Palmer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's go back to Tua. You keep talking about Tua. Do you believe in Tua as a long-term solution at QB for your Dolphins? So you're so great at quoting what I say. Let's see how much you pay attention. What has always been my stance on do- the Dolphins and Tua? I don't know what you got. You got amnesia now. Yeah, I do. You said so many things. Sometimes I only listen to half of it. Yeah. You need to stop wearing all that hair gel. That's the problem. So let's get my thought process has always been, I never wanted us to draft Tua, whether, whether he was healthy or not. I always thought we should have waited and found a way to get Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft. That was just me. Now here's the thing. We, we drafted him number five last year. He's here. He's played. We've seen him. Now, you asking me, do I believe in him long term with Deshaun Watson looming out there? Or are you asking me, like, as if the Deshaun Watson thing is not even on the table? Is it just strictly him? Well, that shouldn't matter. Do you believe? Oh, hell yeah, that does matter. Because guess what? If Watson's on the table, Tua has it gone. I didn't ask if he's better. I'm saying, do you believe in him long term? Forget that any of that's out there. Well, here's the thing. Comfortable I, moving forward with Tua. It's hard for me to believe in him long term when I didn't believe in him to begin with when we drafted him. Like it's really hard for me to just say yes. You know what? Based on what I've seen this year, my opinion has just changed. Especially when the guys that were taken in the same class with him has played better. Justin Herbert has played better. I mean, Joe Joe Burrow before he got hurt played better, and we've talked about you know as reasons to why that might be. But here's the thing: his own teammates, and I know that report came out today as we're recording. Myron Harrell basically said to his own teammates, don't believe in him long-term. And they said why they don't. One, they don't believe in his arm strength and velocity, and they don't believe in his ability to make plays happen with his feet when the play breaks down. So if the team is, the teammates are seeing it and they're not believing in it, why should I when I didn't like him to begin with? Also, too, I will, I will step back and play devil's advocate and, you know, say this. Could they be saying that because now all these Deshaun Watson trade rumors are out there? So they're like, oh, shoot, we got a chance to get Deshaun. Let's kind of, you know, say like, oh, you know, Tua may not be the guy we want to play with so we can kind of force that move. But, I mean, it's basically what you see. He's not really throwing the ball that well. Like, you don't see the arm strength. He is accurate. And I thought he would be more athletic. Maybe it's the hip injury, but he's not creating with his legs really like I thought he would. 
So, I mean, he Justin Herbert is creating more with his legs than Tua is, and I didn't expect that to happen. I just can't see anything that is shown me so far to tell me, okay, look, he's the guy, and we should just open and shut and make him the starter. I I feel it's unfair to compare him to Burrow and, and Herbert because – those guys have weapons, JT, and I know you're a Dolphins fan. Like, name name me a guy on that offense that would start on any other team. At, oh, I agree. I agree. Maybe Gesicki. Maybe Gesicki off to Gaskin. And, and this is the other thing you want to talk about: Herbert and Burrow. That offensive coordinator of the Dolphins. I may be mistaken. It was only Shane a couple of days ago. He's gone. Well, he got fired, and then he resigned. Yeah. Like, that tells you something. This guy has had – you have not set him up for any success. Now, granted, is Watson better right now? Of course he is. I'm not going to deny that. But to say that two is not the long-term solution for the Dolphins, we don't even know. We don't know. If Tua was in the Steelers' offensive system this past year, he'd probably be a little bit better but still not great because we don't have a running game. The line really couldn't protect. He'd still be running for his life. So – you got to put – you've always said this to me, and I totally agree. The one depends, thing that he'll remember that I said that's actually good. Depends on the situation a quarter, a young rookie quarterback is for sure. put in for, for sure. to, to succeed. He was not put in a position to succeed. Furthermore, they did him a disfavor by – or a disservice putting in, putting by in putting – in the fire with the playoff hunt. I agree. With Fitzpatrick playing really well because there's the doubt. Hey, why is he starting? I thought it was best guy gets the job. Like, yeah. is he the best guy right now? I don't know. That is why, and I and I don't like saying this, but that is why the Dolphins perennially are at the bottom of the AFC East. Yes, because we don't teams, have a franchise and teams like the right. and the teams like the Patriots and the Ravens franchise are, are at the franchise quarterback. The Ravens only got one recently. They've been, He's been good there three for, years, but they got they won one. a That's Super the Bowl. They won a Super Bowl with Flacco. Are you saying you would have loved Flacco at the the time? He was a franchise quarterback and then he fell off a cliff. (laughs) But that's because they had a great defense around him and a great running game. And oh, they had a guy named Anquan Bolden, one of the best receivers during his era. Like, that is what I'm saying. Get pieces around this guy. And I believe, I think all the, the bad publicity Tua has taken since he started, I actually believe in Tua now because I think he has the fortitude. To be like, you know what? I'm going to prove these guys wrong. I know I have the talent. Get me pieces to work with, and you get the guy, Devontae Smith, and then we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you on the weapons part because uh, he, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, he basically said that, they're like, hey, why are you struggling? And why aren't you pulling the trigger on throwing the ball? He's like, well, the guys aren't getting open on this team like they were at Alabama. And, I mean, that goes to your weapons argument, so I agree with you there. But at the same time, bro, you're number five in the draft. Like, this is what they expect you to do. Elevate people, lift them up, and ball out. Like, do what you were drafted to do. Nah, you don't expect that as a rookie. Not even Peyton Manning did that. Come on, that that's not fair. That's false expectations. All right, so real quick with the Texans, who will their next head coach be? Who I think it should be is Arthur Smith. Now, um, over your boy, over your dude, if I were being me, I wouldn't go there because I feel like it's a trap because I feel like Deshaun's out either way. And I feel like they're just kind of doing this to say like, hey, Deshaun, look, man, look, we're bringing in your boy to interview. You still want to stay? So the enemy, I wouldn't go to the Texans. I think it's a trap situation. 
and they 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 seem like they already picked the GM without like consulting anybody. So do you really want to go to a job where like they didn't interview you first and they already hired the GM and like the star quarterback's not happy? It just seems like a bad situation. I honestly think they're gonna hire Josh McDaniels. I know his name's not coming up, but I feel like they're going all in on that Patriots connection. And I feel like I could see his name weaseling in somewhere like down the line. And you know, like, next thing you know, like the the Casarian isn't it? It's Nick Casarian, right? Casaria. Casaria. That came out of nowhere. I didn't even know that was on the table. And then next thing you know, you're going to hear, oh, no, the Patriots uh, connection. Here comes Josh McDaniels. I actually think it's going to be the enemy. I think they make that move to keep Watson there, keep him happy because they realize, they realize, JT, they need to realize. And I think the reason why they realize is because Nick Casario, he knows he needs a quarterback. If McDaniels comes there without Watson, they're screwed. He knows it. The way to keep him happy you got to keep your franchise QB happy. You bring in the guy he wants, Eric Bieniemy. Unless, unless you do the Watson deal, you get the number three pick, and you bring in McDaniel's, and now you can possibly get a quarterback. Maybe, but I still think Casario is smart enough. After seeing what happened in New England, you want the stud QB. I'm not so. I'm not so much worried about him not being smart as the Texans being smart, because at the end of the day, they're calling the shots. I got to I gotta believe him leaving New England to take that job and knowing the way the Texans are, especially him having that connection with Bill O'Brien, that he knows. I'm glad you brought up Bill O'Brien. I was just about to say, because you just use automatically assuming, oh, anybody that leaves the Patriots, we just know they're smart. They're going to do the right thing. Josh McDaniels left Denver, disaster. Bill O'Brien left Texans just had terrible relationships with people on the team. All those guys, JT, are coaches. He's an executive. He's not a coach. So he's learned from Kraft. He's learned from any other executive in New England. And he's learned from Belichick regarding personnel. So I hope everything you learned from Kraft, he got on video. So we'll see. So anyway, uh, hopefully it's the last time we're going to talk about this guy. So <laughs> can we talk about Dougie P real quick? I can't believe we didn't open the show with the Eagles. I know, for real. I, I feel like people were getting upset that we were doing that. So we just wanted to switch it up a little bit. So did not see this coming, to be honest with you. I'll be 100%. Neither did I. Neither I did because the firing Monday had already passed. And, he, and we talked he about We talked about this. I think we – I don't know. I don't recall what you said, but I said, no, they should not fire him. So earlier this week, of course, the Eagles fired head coach Doug Peterson after five seasons as the coach and one Super Bowl win. So thoughts on the firing and if the Eagles are making the right move. You know what I'm going to say. I don't like this at all. He won a Super Bowl just three years ago. They got a statue outside the stadium of him. (laughs) Like (laughs) Super Bowl rings and titles and the Lombardi trophy just don't grow on trees, especially in Philadelphia. I mean, come on. That's the only one you got. You got to have patience in any business. I think you got to have patience. Like, he can bounce back. It really was only like a year and a half of bad football. Well, yeah, because yeah, the year before they had so well, they had injuries this year, but last year was a lot of injuries, especially like two years ago when they made the playoffs. Right, exactly. So he had no offensive pieces to work with. And whose fault is that? That's not really all his fault. Oh, yes. It's not his fault, but it's another guy's fault who I told you is the problem and should be fired. But nobody's saying anything about that. I didn't necessarily disagree. What I'm disagreeing with is Doug Peterson, though, 
And I think I, I heard something crazy. Like they had 13 different starting offensive line combinations. This oh, yeah, year. the line was a mess. JT, there's only 16 games, 13 different starting combinations on the O line. Like, how how is there any cohesion there, any you know, unity there in terms of building a running game and protection? Like I I I think they cut bait way, way too soon. And I know we're gonna get into other parts of this, but I just thought JT way, way too soon, man. It's tough because I agree with you. Uh, Super Bowls and Super Bowl winning coaches just don't grow on trees. That is 100% correct. But I told, I think I said this to you a while ago. I think the worst thing that ever happened to that team is they won the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. The worst things, like the gift and the curse. Yep. But I will say this. I said, the, I said it, I don't know, one of the last two times we've talked about this, Oh, yeah, it was the last show. We were talking about the whole bench and Jalen Hurts and what does that mean, blah, blah, blah. I told you. I thought that move, they did it to appease Carson Wentz's ego. And thing I didn't see was I assumed that everybody was on the same side, like Peterson, Roseman, and then the owner, uh, Jeffrey Lurie. I thought they were all on the same side. Like, look, guys, whatever we need to do to make Carson feel comfortable and make him come back, we'll do. I didn't know that the reason Carson didn't want to come back was because of Doug Peterson. And if that's the case, then I have to say, yes, they made the right move because we talk about all these trade destinations for Carson Wentz, but you brought it up many times. His contract is going to be hard to move in a trade. You can't cut him. The cap number and hit is too big. So guess what? You are strapped to this dude and you have to make it work. You have to, you just can't like the odds of you getting rid of him are low. So if he says, I'm not getting along with that guy right there, then guess what? That guy got to go because guess what? He's not costing us as much as you do. They need to bring in, obviously, somebody that's going to work well with him. But also, too, I think it's a good, a good split between the Eagles and Doug Peterson because I don't know if you heard this, but one of the reasons why he was fired was he had a meeting with Jeffrey Laurie, and basically the meeting did not go well. Why did the meeting not go well? Because basically he blamed everybody but himself for why Carson Wentz broke down and why the Eagles didn't perform well. And he basically was saying, okay, we need X, Y, and Z improvement within our coaching system. So basically we need to go get these guys to come in. That did not sit well. And then also there were rumors that he just basically got tired of being told what to do by people in the organization. So that tells me he's probably ready for a Bill O'Brien type of role where you're the coach and basically not the GM, but like a de facto GM. Like you said, the guy won a Super Bowl without the franchise quarterback that you swear you need to win games. Like, how do you expect him to listen to you? It's like that child is too grown now to be at home. Like, they're not going to listen to you anymore because they're grown. So you mutually had to cut bait with Doug Peterson because next year would have been a lot worse than it was this year. You're not going to answer the next question? Because I don't even have to ask you. What does it mean for Carson Wentz? Man, you know, everything threw me for a loop. I'm with you. I, I, It's shocking to hear that reports are now that he wants to stay. Um, but if Doug had stayed, he wanted out. Like, that's really confusing because I thought Doug Peterson was in his corner, actually, and prolonged putting Jalen Hurts in as long as he could. So I, I think, like, though – are you willing to say, hold on, are you willing to, to say this now? Maybe Doug Peterson was the one that was that was fighting for Jalen Hurts to get drafted? I, I don't know, but that's not what it's – that's not what it has been heard, though. 
it's like a scooby-doo mystery if i can find out who made who made that call i can connect the dots but like that they're not letting that information out who's behind the mask that exactly like jalen hurts is the person that that pulled the trigger on the jalen hurts draft like i'm totally i don't know i'm totally confused now jt you're right it's such a mystery we need scooby-doo and shaggy in here i mean how did it get so i have no idea how it got so bad so fast like their their relationship uh the the team the offense but personally i don't think it was doug peterson i think it was the nick Foles effect like i told you carson wentz was trying to get rid of that stigma that you know this is Foles' super bowl he had nothing to do with it meaning carson wentz he was pressing he was trying so hard prove he could do it that to be honest the change of scenery now and it's not just doug peterson leaving it's Carson Wentz going to a new city. And Lori had said, Jeffrey Lori, right, admitted to rebuilding now. And with that said, JT, I think they're going to move Wentz. I think he's pretty much, I want to say pretty much gone, but I'm now not going to be surprised if he's gone. I know I said before he's going to be hard to move, but I think now they're going to figure it out because they're going to bring someone in that's going to want Jalen Hurts. And so Wentz, in my opinion, is on his way out. It's it's rebuilding. Yeah, agreed. I think they move him. And I, it's crazy that sounds. It I does. Just don't, I didn't expect the coach and the quarterback to be gone. So I didn't see the rebuild option coming. But, yeah, I think you move him because there's no way you bring Wentz back. One, you're forgetting the people. There's people in the locker room that don't already like him. So, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure some of those guys like Doug Peterson because they won a Super Bowl with him. So, like, you haven't played well. They paid you. We already didn't like your attitude. You got our guy fired, and now we got to come back and play for you again. Like, I just don't want to see what that will look like. And I do agree with you. I think Jalen Hurts has shown enough that he can be a rebuild option at quarterback and we can still be, you know, exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised he admitted to rebuilding. And that that kind of was the – the main thing there that I'm like, well, that means Carson's got to go. So last question with the Eagles at the time of this recording, they have not hired a coach who should they make as their next guy to be in charge. Lincoln Riley, because I don't think they can can lure him away from Oklahoma. If you're not not with the, hold on, hold on. This toxic, hold on. If you're going to rebuild, and you're going with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Where'd he play, JT? He played at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley got the best out of that guy in his college days. And he played at Alabama, but he had his best success under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. That's the move they got to make. I would not be surprised if that happens now. I like that because I didn't think about Lincoln Riley just because I think he's, to me, he's one of those guys that. He just doesn't seem like he wants to make the move to the pros. Like Oklahoma is one of the best jobs. It's about the money, though. They have enough money to get him out of Oklahoma. I'm glad you said that. It's about the money. And I feel as if if you really wanted somebody to take this job that you feel is going to make a difference with that quarterback and the negativity surrounding this organization right now, you got to pay somebody a lot of money and you got to give them promises that, look, you're coming in and you're running the show your way. And it's funny that the guy that I'm about to mention, he was mentioned for another job, but they're still, quote unquote, waiting for him to make a decision. It's Urban Meyer. Back the, give him the $12 million, let him make personnel moves, 
and I think you bring him in. If it, I know you like Lincoln Riley. I love him too. Excellent option. But who is the king of winning games with quarterbacks that play like Jalen Hurts? It's Urban Meyer. Gotta, that's the guy I would go after. JT, I usually, even though I don't, we don't say the same coaches, I usually always agree with your coaching candidates. Like, there's never one where I'm like, nah, I don't see that. I just, I don't like that move if I'm the Eagles because the dude's going to bail on you in two or three years. And with Jeffrey Lurie, strong personality, Urban Meyer, strong personality, way I too much collision. Like, way you too You want to know where friction. I think they find the middle ground? I think if they, if they, let's say they were to hire Urban Meyer, I think that but, means Harry Roseman's gone. And I think that will be the agreement between those two. Look, I'm the owner, and this is where I come to, and you're the coach slash whatever, and this is where you, this is where your power ends. And we agree on that, and we don't cross the lines. But that's the thing. I think Lori would have already fired Roseman if that was the case. Well, shoot, you, it, you didn't think and, he was going to – you thought and, he was going to fire Doug but, Peterson on the Monday, and but, then he waited until, you know, taxes cleared. But He's this never, is – You don't know what's going on with the But this is, this is the other thing. Urban Meyer is never going to that situation. There's not enough pieces – for him to and succeed. There, yep, and there's not enough hope for him to just and walk in there. you just think Lincoln Riley is going to just leave uh, Norman, Oklahoma and just go to this situation? Two reasons. The money, because he's a young guy. The money. And then two, Jalen Hurts. They have that connection already. I get you. All right, so we discussed both Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Who do you think of those two guys is most likely to get traded if the Texans don't bring in Eric Bieniemy, it's Deshaun Watson because it's going to end up yeah. just like another Houston, former Houston player, James Harden. And then on top of that, the Texans can get way more for Deshaun. So they're going to be more willing to, to make that deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's Watson just because the situation in Houston just seems more fractured. And I think it's easier to move on from Watson for cap purposes. And it comes down to this. Wentz hated the coach. Watson hates the organization due to math. Good point. All right. So let's talk about the Steelers. Uh, I really don't want to. You want to All skip right, it? Cool. We can let's skip go. It. No, 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 no. Uh, Come on, man. You're you know, evil. You know, you got you know, to get this work. You're so evil. this past Sunday night, the Steelers lost to the Browns because, you know, the Browns going to be the Browns. They lost 48 to 37, ending the Steelers season and ending the Cleveland Browns drought of a playoff victory. Oh, so happy it was you guys. So there are a lot of questions going into this offseason for the Steelers. So first, let's deal with Ben, because, you know, very emotional scene after that game. And I know we joke about it, but it was because it could be an end of an era. Should Ben retire? Should they re-sign Juju? And then also overall, like, what do you think is next for the Steelers? And I'm just going to turn the floor over to you because this is your team. And I know, I know we joke a lot on this show, but I want to say this. This game was very emotional for this man because normally – I will say out of all the games, the Sunday night game is the slate where we probably talk the most, and you would not even talk to me. He wouldn't text me back. He wouldn't return my calls. So I know this was a serious situation, a serious game. Give me all your thoughts on everything I just asked you, and I'm just going to log off. That's not totally true because we spoke during the third quarter, and then I was like, hey, I got to focus on this fourth quarter. I had to call you like three times for you to pick up the phone. <laughs> you was like, oh, let me just let me just get him out the way so I can go back to being mad. <laughs> All right, true. Um, ben, should he retire? Yes. Listen, to for both sides, right? For Ben, you've made enough money. You've won two Super Bowl mans. You're you're a legend in Pittsburgh. Really gonna be you're gonna be a Hall of Famer. Put your health 
first, your family first, and and retire. And then for the Steelers, you know, it allows them to finally move on, and it it'll save them. I think about nineteen to twenty million dollars in cap room because unless they extend Ben or restructure it, he's going to count forty one million against the cap. But if he retires, I think it goes down to like twenty two or twenty one against the cap. Juju, only sign him if the price is right. JT, I think what he did down the stretch and with the Antonio Brown effect, I think the Steelers organization as well as fans are very hesitant to see the the road he's kind of going down. Now he produced, he backed up his word in the Cleveland game, no doubt. But when you do the things you've been doing on social media, you got to win. Does it? Just doesn't matter that you showed up and had a great game. You got to win. So if the price is right, because you're right, he showed you feed him the ball, he can be a number one. Um, and you that was a great observation by you. But the price has to be right. To me, anything north of 14, 15 million per year, it's too much for him. The other things they got to do. When Ben retires, got to cut Pouncey. No reason to keep him anymore. He would. They only kept him so that Ben would come back. Don't re-sign Alejandro Villanueva. And then there's a couple other things here, and then I'll get to the draft. All right? Don't pick up the fifth-year option of Terrell Edmonds. He should not be your safety moving forward. I think he's going into his fourth year, so they need to make a decision this offseason for the fifth year. Don't pick him up. Let them play out that contract and then let them go after the 21 season. Now, they need to rebuild the O-line and get a running back because even if they throw Rudolph in there, if the defense comes back healthy, they rebuild the O-line and get a a legit running back, a three-down running back that can take it to the house, I think they can still make the playoffs next year, even with Mason Rudolph. The last thing is, before the draft again, Randy Fickner, the offense coordinator of Steelers, I just think he might have to go. You might have to bring in someone that can show some different formations with the running game. Um, but that's not a complete – like, I kind of believe in him still. If they fire him, that's fine. But now that I'm thinking about it, I actually don't mind him that much because I don't think he had many pieces to work with. So, you know what? Whether they keep him or not, I'm, I'm fine either way. The other thing is, if Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, JT, if he falls in the first round, they got to make a move to move up and get him. If they pick Zach Wilson, will you replace him as your Hall of Fame pick? You'll throw Mason Rudolph off and you'll Mason Rudolph out and you'll put him in? There's no evidence that I ever said Mason Rudolph's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you just self-incriminated. I'm, I'm going to be real quick because you made a lot of great points. Um, should Ben retire? I'm going to say no. He should restructure just because I don't think you guys have a backup plan in place. Now, Mason Rudolph did shock me when he came in, you know, in relief this year. He looked like he might have turned a corner, but I don't know if that's, you know, like a one-game thing or if he's the same Mason Rudolph that we've seen before in extended action. And here's why I say you should restructure him rather than have him retire. To me, for, as an outsider, I really didn't see a difference between Ben this year and Ben like two or three years ago. When I don't think three years ago you guys would have been screaming for him to retire. It would have been, you know, like, hey, like, get better, stay healthier, yada, yada, yada. 
The only difference between Ben this year and two or three years ago is the Steelers couldn't run the ball. So I do agree with some of those other things that you said. They rebuild the O-line. They, they get a running game, get, a good, get some good running backs. And I think if they could run the ball, I think that team looks much different. And I think Ben looks even better than he did this year. I didn't think there was anything wrong with him. So I don't, I don't, I disagree with you on the Ben part. Juju, I think we're on the same page, but I'm going to say, let him walk for a different reason. They've shown that if Ben's the quarterback, they're just not going to use him in the way that would justify the price tag. Like he's going to command like 14 or more million per year. Like they're just not going to use him like that because Deontay Johnson's on the team. Ben loves him. He's already one of the best route runners in the game. So he's basically going to be your new AB drawing 10 plus targets a game. And then you got Chase Claypool on the other side. He's only going to get more looks. I mean, he's taking the top off of defenses. And then somebody else that stepped up for you guys this year that I thought was just terrible <laughs> up until this point was James Washington. He's actually gotten much better. So you got those three guys. They're all under contract, really cheap. There's no way they're paying Juju. And I actually see why they probably didn't use him as much this year because though the competition around Juju got better. So that's what I would say. Now, as far as what's next for the Steelers, I do agree with everything you said about the draft. Zach Wilson, I don't think he'll fall that far, but if he's there, then you're going to have a hell of a decision to make. I think you need to find a way to get Najee Harris, and you need to find a way to sort of do what the Dolphins did. Just say, you know what? This draft, that first round, we're going to draft whatever player is going to make us the best and more explosive offense. And then rounds two through five, we're taking two or three offensive linemen. That's what we're doing our whole draft is around the O-line and we just go with that. At least get some young guys like the Dolphins did. We don't know if they're they're all that great, but we know this. They're big, young, and they can push people around the run game. If y'all do that, I think you'll see a big difference in the team next year. Yeah, the problem with restructuring, Ben, would mean you got to extend them out. So now, yeah. now you're on the hook two more years for them. And two or three years ago, JT, I'm sure I told you, you got to have a backup plan. You got to have you a plan. Did. It was amazing. Well, that is true, but then let him roll then. Yeah. Ben retire, let's give Mason one year. Because you said, this is why they got to give him a year. If you believe you drafted him because he's a replacement, now's the time to find out. Because you got Deontay Johnson, you got Claypool, you got James Washington all under contract. So even if Juju doesn't come back, like you said, you get Najee Harris in here, a couple offensive linemen, defense comes back healthy. Like, you're going to find out if Mason, he's got one year to prove it. Because I'm pretty sure we can admit we're not going to win the Super Bowl with Ben anymore. He is not the Ben of 11 years ago that's going to take you on that drive. Yeah, but Arizona. you might not need him to play that role. Because to be honest with you, let's, let's be be honest about it. If the defense didn't have all those injuries and you guys could actually run the ball. Because there was a stretch. I, I, I hate how everyone's saying like, oh, the Steelers O-line is soft. They can't run the ball. You forget there was a time in the middle of the season where you guys were not that terrible at running the It was ball. the first four games of the year. Midway through the year, it was over. I mean, Baltimore, they were that Baltimore, the they got bad. No, no, no. Baltimore and Tennessee, JT, those were like week seven, eight, nine. No rushing yards. Yeah. Well, if they could run the ball, the defense is healthy. I think you just feel different about the team. But uh, you brought up, we brought up Juju. I want to talk about him really quick. So, you know, everyone's going at him because they think he's the reason they lost the game. So is, is it his fault for providing motivation to Cleveland and other teams late in the season? Because with the Browns, it was, you know, the Browns is the Browns. They're going to do, you know, what the Browns do. They're still the same old Browns. And then, you know, of course, he danced on everyone's logo until, you know, the Bengals knocked him out. 
But still, he did a lot of disrespectful things this year that people did not take kindly to. How much are you blaming him for sort of amping teams up that played against you guys? Well, in, in part, he's got to take some of the heat. Um, you can't, you just can't give extra motivation to, to, to players. Now, the Steelers, the way they played, had way more to do with it uh, than what Juju uh, did or the motivation he provided. So it was the O-line and not TikTok? I mean, listen, Juju got to take some of the heat for it. But, you know, Juju needs to learn, JT. I mean – and he's got to he's got to set a good example for the young core of receivers that they had in that they have in Pittsburgh and especially if he's going to make that 15 16 17 million dollars a year even if it's somewhere else hey if you do those videos not only do you got to back it up you you got to make sure your team wins here's the thing i will say this we're old well you are but <laughs> wow Wow, I, don't, I don't even want, say that word with my name in it. I don't want to react too harshly to Juju because one thing you got to understand is we're getting ready to we're, – we're actually in the middle of it of like a cultural gap in NFL. Like there's older guys and then there's like the younger guys. Like this is what young, this is what young people his age do. Like you notice that now they have youth in the locker room, all of the guys that were young were doing TikTok. So that I, I don't mind as much. Now this is what I do mind. One – you know this team is reeling, and you know how important this game is for the Browns. Like, they're in the playoffs for the first time, and shoot, God knows how long. And they have a chance to beat you. You're like a wounded duck. They know this is their best chance to beat you, probably they've ever had. And you know you're not at your best, and you're giving them extra material. Like, it wasn't even about the dancing. It was the fact that you were like, even though you guys have ascended to this level from where you came from, we still think you're the same guys. And and for him to say that, you had to expect they were going to come in and just try to just take your head off. And that's exactly what they did. So I will blame him for that. But the dancing stuff, not really. I mean, this is what young, this is what the young players are doing. It, it's not about the dancing. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. You do that you after with Corvette, Corvette I, on, on the logo. That's the problem. See, it's not that he posted it on. I could care less about the TikTok. It's your dancing on their logo before the game. You do that, JT, you better be willing to pay the price. And you better, I don't care whose fault it is, you better figure out a way to win it, even if you got to now go play defense. Because you know the way it is. You're telling me if we're on the same team and someone does that to our logo and we're playing for the U, you don't think we're coming for that? Like, you don't think we're going to play even – not that we're going to play even harder, but when we win, there's going to be that little bit more satisfaction to it, right? So when you get all the guys rallied like that, that's the difference. Maybe Cleveland, maybe Buffalo at that point was like, dang, man, Pittsburgh coming in. But then they see that. They're like, hey, we all on board. Whatever we got to do now. Because you know the way it is. Sometimes guys don't always all buy in. But I bet you that night for Buffalo, Cincinnati, Cleveland, they all bought in. And maybe Juju's the reason. I'm fine with the videos. Even if you do it before the game, in a locker room, on your side of the field. But as soon as he went to midfield, uh-uh. I don't care even if he wasn't recording it. You don't dance on it. And the, to go a step further, and we're going to get to it, the, the Titans paid the price for it. You don't think the Ravens remember that? Oh, for sure. You don't think there was extra motivation? 
they in the middle of the game got an interception and danced they on did Tennessee that, uh, Road. That Georgia versus Florida thing where everybody just rushed onto the field and just started dancing <laughs> yep. in the middle of the game. You don't think they knew about it. You don't think there was some extra motivation? We'd be lying to ourselves if the Ravens didn't have extra motivation. No, I get it. The only thing with Juju I guess I would blame him too is, you know you ain't the guy this year, so you should be doing any of this stuff. Like, that would be like um, – trying to think of somebody who is like good but not great that would be like Cole. no cold Beasley was better than him <laughs> that would be like wow, no. um no that would be like kenny stills like dancing on everybody's logo before it's like you're not the guy you, sh- you could be but you're not so just you know sh- suit up catch your four four passes for 45 yards and just move on all right well i mentioned baltimore so the Ravens defeated Tennessee, as I mentioned, during Super Wild Card Weekend, and Lamar Jackson was the key reason for it. He had an amazing 48-yard TD run that had John Harbaugh after the game saying it was the greatest run ever by a quarterback. JT, are you buying that? Nope. Still Vic against the Vikings where he made the defenders crash into each other. Ain't nothing top of that. JT is talking about a 2002 overtime game. Falcons at Minnesota. Vic with a 46-yard run in overtime to win the game, split the defenders. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. On the way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, I had that up there, but one that I have a tie with it. 1988. So the young kids out there, you got to go look this up. 1988. Steve Young with a 49-yard run with a minute 58 left in the game against the Minnesota Vikings for the win. An incredible run. You got to look it up. I think he went through the whole defense. All 11 guys tried to tackle him at one point, and he stumbled in the end zone as he replaced Joe Montana for that game. So, JT, those were two great runs. Now, Let's go to what I mentioned earlier, where Lamar and the Ravens wrong for leaving the field without shaking hands with the Titans. Nope, because these teams hate each other for the reasons you just mentioned. Vrabel's a prick, and I'd have left too. I I wouldn't have shaken their hands either. Well, listen, be a bigger person. You won the game. I mean, he is a bigger person. (laughs) To me, to me, those are the times you want to shake their hand when you won because you know how aggravating it is for them to shake your hand. And if they don't, if they leave as losers, hey, they're going to know everyone's going to say they're sore losers. No one's ever going to call you out for walking off for winning. But when you lose and you walk off, that's when you get called a sore loser. And that would have happened to the Titans had they not shaken your hand. So, listen, they're rivals. Like, that's when you – want to shake their hand but this is the other thing i'm pretty sure the titans shook their hands last year when they beat you in the playoffs so Mm -hmm. why not shake their hand again be the bigger person and in fact harbaugh all right he waved off the handshake in the regular season game with mike vrabel so because they had gone at it before the game right about the about the logo stomping thing but listen it is Tradition in the NFL, you shake their hand. Now, when you get there, if you want to say some words, even though I don't condone it, it's happened before. But listen, shake their hand. Shake their hand. It's professional football. Be the bigger person. And then on top of that, JT, hey, is this a trend with Baltimore? Because don't forget, when it happens to them, Marcus Peters, he's going to be the first to complain and cry about it. 
You know, it's funny you brought that up about, you know, I wouldn't say choice words when you meet at midfield. Did you, I don't know if you've seen this video, but there's a video of uh, Harbaugh and Vrabel before this game. And basically, like, I feel like Harbaugh went to Vrabel to kind of like, he knew like what the situation and like the atmosphere of the game was going to be. And he tried to like calm him down because he didn't want to get it with the like personally. So he goes up to Vrabel and he goes, you know, hey, like, the guys are talking about, you know, like, are the coach is going to fight. And he's like, Harbaugh's like, I have to tell my guys, like, y'all forget, Vrabel's 6'5". Like, he can beat up most any coaches in the league. And Vrabel's just laughing at him. He's like, yeah, man, we're not going to fight. So it was funny that Harbaugh went to him and tried to kind of be like, yo, like, I know the players are, you know, acting wild, but we good, right? He's like, yeah, don't worry, man, we good. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> you forget, man, Vrabel is a former player. That's, that's a linebacker. That's a big dude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, JT. Real quick. Everyone. Uh, no, no, we're not doing anything real quick. Relax over there. One of everyone's favorite segments, weekend predictions. We're going through the divisional NFL games. JT, the first one. We're going chronological order again. LA Rams at Green Bay. Who you got? Ooh, I feel like this is a trap pick. You got to go with the Packers. I'm going to go with the Rams. Now, there's a caveat there. If Aaron Donald plays, he does have a torn rib cartilage, but he's expected to play. Hold on. All right? Does Aaron Donald have a rib injury? Because I no, swore no, that's no, what no, I told no, no, you no. happened. No. You know, see, this is for the listeners at home that have never met JT. This is what he likes to do. He likes to stretch the truth. The truth is you did mention rib in the sentence. But you said, oh, automatically, even before he got up, oh, he's got a broken rib. It's not broken or cracked. It's a torn rib cartilage. Huge difference. Huge difference. Rib injury. All right. So the reason why I like the Rams, especially if Donald plays, well, if Donald plays, I got the Rams. No Bakhtieri for Green Bay. Don't forget that. Baltimore at Buffalo. Another trap game. I'm going with my Super Bowl pick. I'm going with the Ravens. Man, I so hope the Ravens lose after the season. No, I still want them to win because I, I'm kind of getting sick of the Bills, too, because I think I'm, they're they're buying their hype a little too much. I'm going to go Buffalo. Please knock off Baltimore. They barely I, knocked off the Colts. <laughs> Cleveland at Kansas City. Oh, Casey. I've got Chase Claypool said it best. Brown's about to get smacked. <laughs> I've got Casey. And then Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This was the easiest pick for me. It's got to be the Saints. They've had the Bucks number all year. I'm going to go Saints. I'm going to go Saints, even though I am really worried it's tough to beat a team. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So how do you feel about them playing them a third time? Like, what are the, what are the stats on that? Like, do the third, does the third time, like, really matter? Does that team who's won the two before usually win? Or, I mean, it's uh, – I don't have the stats in front of me. I would imagine that – it all depends on the situation, you know, injuries, uh, the weather. This time it's a dome. But uh, I, I, it is tough to win three times. Think about this. Tom Brady has almost never lost two games in a season to the same team. The only time I can really remember that, JT, is maybe the Jets did it in 09, I think. Um, that's the only thing that possibly could happen, have, have happened. but. Three times Tom Brady losing to the same team? Man, that, JT, 
is a stat that has never happened. So you want to talk about stats? That's a stat that has never happened. All right. We'll see. All right. So now more of our favorite segments. Bro, you got yeah. both of these in here. I didn't even look at I've the got both. Page. Like, Surprise. how you got both? <laughs> Surprise, JT. This is a fun one, though. This is going to be a fun one. It's only one. The Rams versus Seahawks. Did you watch that game, JT? Yeah, it was terrible to watch. Okay. The game to me, and actually all of these games, I noticed it last night or Monday night as well in the um, title game that these games start looking more and more like a Madden game. In terms oh, with the of camera the, angle? Yes, the yeah, graphics, yeah, it, it the, the footage, the, the, the camera angles. So I think I know your answer here, but I thought it was a fun one. What's a better sport video game? NCAA football or Madden? Oh, NCAA. It's not even close. All right. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. All right. And just trivia time. Just one, JT. You should know this because it was it was on during one of the games. Drew Brees threw a TD pass uh, this past Sunday for the 17th consecutive playoff game. All right. Now, who has the record for most consecutive playoff games with a thrown touchdown? Damn, this is the pass? one game I was actually packing during, so I probably missed that. <laughs> I mean, I got to say Todd Brady. Brett Favre with 20 in a row. Uh, how many games did he consecutively throw an interception? <laughs> that I don't know. All right. So, JT, great episode. We talked about a lot of stuff, as always, to the fans and listeners out there. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you. We appreciate the support. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, all sports podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, Leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, enjoy the divisional playoff games. We'll be back at it next week. And, JT, until the next episode, see you. Peace.